0: of maniacs you're listening to another episode of the shop talk show i'm dave in the shed rupert and with
1: me is chris in the booth queer how's it going chris i'm doing pretty good thank you dave uh just a normal show for us this week we're going to answer some of y'all's questions we have some you know we have like a windows one and we have a Build process one, some kind of classic stuff, but I think there are there are well written questions. So thanks everybody who does that. You can always do that at shoptalkshow.com to kick over questions and topics to us. We really appreciate that. Of course, at shoptalkshow.com too, you can uh, you can join the Discord via Patreon. So I'm afraid it's a it's a paid thing. But our community there is very strong, and uh, we would love to have you as well. I mention it t- t- on today because today as we record, we got threads, and we're all, like, pretty, I mean, mostly stoked about the idea that Discord the has hot, threads. The
0: hot new feature of Discord is threads, and Shop Talk Show has it now. Uh, it's, it's exciting because threading was brutal. Like, because you'd get, like, replies from, like, six days ago or whatever, you know, like... Uh, and and you're just like what are they what's this reply related to and then now you're going up and down the the stream but i don't know because you kind of know when something's a big breakout topic or something you know like like whatever
1: yeah how do you feel about the idea that you have to name a thread i don't actually don't even know if you have to but it really prompts you to name one do you like that or is that weird i think
0: it's cheese but seeing it in the (laughs) ui you you know they they kind of like you're general channel has a, like a a little folder it turns into a folder with a file or, or an item called like your thread name. I think that's helpful. I mean, you know, we have a hot drama channel. We should just go ahead and say that, uh, where we, if you're posting drama, we are definitely talking about it. Um, so in the hot drama channel, you know, I could see this being like, like there's like recent drama, you know, I don't know, Activision, Blizzard, firing or like their whole scandal thing or something or you know uh there's i think the base camp one was a big one we talked about for a long time right
1: um yeah but there's pro- oh we average maybe one a day <laughs> there's the the old main character of the day not on twitter but just anywhere
0: yeah yeah and i in and- You know, I lately like this may dovetail into (laughs) some stuff we're talking about today, but like the like Safari stuff that's going around, you know, there's a lot of articles and stuff. But but if you could like hop in and see what people are talking about from the named thread, you know, like this is the Safari thread, like that would be kinda cool, you know, or or like I I think like I don't know, you get a high level overview of what people are talking about, you know, just just by naming a channel and then you know we'll see about it disappearing. that could be cool too, you know, but maybe that gets sad when they go away, but you know
1: i I don't know i we just also this is day one, so like you know how software evolves uh-huh. well i would I would highly suspect that this evolves. Um, but yeah, I am just a big fan of Discord. Any I, <laughs> I remember that I was part of like a local community thing that was on Discord. And this was before I used Discord much. And I'm like, why do we have to be on Discord? Me, me, me. I use Slack for everything. Let's move to Slack. And we did. I like f- strong-armed it over to Slack. And now I'm like, um, hello. Same guy. <laughs> Could we move this back to biz- Discord? Yeah. <laughs> about that? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, it's I don't.
0: Discord, for me, uh, because I've got Slack dialed in. I'm kind of too good at Slack, Chris. I ignore the hell out of it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And um, so I'm pretty good at Slack. And so to the point, like, my D&D group, like, messaged me on the weekend. They're like, hey, we're starting, like, a a half hour early. And I missed it entirely, Chris. I don't check Slack on weekends whatsoever. I'm, like, out. I'm ghosted. No notifications on any device, like... I'm out. Uh, but I showed up to D&D 30 minutes late. So, whoops, you know, that would have been good to know. But
1: yeah, I mean, I guess you could fine tune it. So just that channel, maybe. Yeah, That's but I'm like in
0: one where I mean, like a uh, a uh, it's the Lone Star <laughs> Overwatch Outlaws esports club or whatever it's yeah the, it's the austin
1: and it's a slack
0: yeah austin esports group basically and it's a or it's in a it's in discord and it's really noisy and because oh. it's people from houston and austin and dallas and stuff and but in san antonio but they're like you know and people just be like hey austin what are we all you know because they're all 20 years old right and so they're all like hey we hanging out tonight we getting tacos buddies and i'm like <laughs> no i have kids dude and a mortgage i'm not doing that so anyway
1: yeah the noi- the noisy thing is is a big deal that you know like you, if you pop into a new channel and it's too noisy I, i'm immediately like i can i can't i can't hang out here i can my but maybe threads will help that to some degree but I, largely i think i just I, like i'm i'm a small fish in a big pond and i can't
0: i'm i'm so big i'm so like I'm in the eleven channel too. Eleventies great, obviously. They have like a meetup now, like kind of an elevity meetup. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And they have a dev team channel. Uh, and I'm in that for some reason. I'm not on the dev, but what maybe I am, I don't know. But um I, I really wish there was like a help channel, you know, and maybe I could ask for it or if I was more involved.
1: But like how poppin' is it? I feel like I joined it for a little while and then I was like dead in there and I was you like, you know, it's Neh.
0: it's on and off. It, it's kinda like like when people need help, they'll hop in and ask for help, and that's like And, you know, the lack of threading and stuff like that, that makes like help is hard, right? Like, cause you're like, I need help about this, but then 70 messages later, there's my answer or something like that. But I'm just like, Oh, if there was like a help channel, that'd be bomb, you know? So like, I don't know, I'm big into like manicuring, uh, (laughs) manicuring uh communities but i also feel like with the shop talk discord like we should cap it out at like 120 or something like that's like max number of people ever that will ever be in there or something
1: that's a great idea yeah it's like yeah you don't
0: you don't want to deal with people let's let's not deal with people you know (laughs) like people are great but like like you have too many people, it becomes too noisy. Then you're just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm, who am I talking? I'm talking to 20 people at the same time. It's
1: the bigger the channel, the worse it, Or the bigger, the community, the worse it is. I mean, that I think that on a large scale is what happened to web design and development. There's just it you know, back in the day there was less people that did it. It was a tighter knit community there. The conversation was thick. The positivity was high. Now there's now there's millions and millions of us and it's a it's turned toxic and I, there's no turning back. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. That's a, that's a very bummery thing to say. It's not like, but what can be positive then is to fracture off to make smaller ones that, that are positive. You know,
0: you can have like a system of moderators too that, that kind of help enforce everything, you know, but it, it's hard work, man. So it's, um, uh, it's
1: yeah, because there's some to just be like, I'm just going to fight the bad. But I think a good moderator is mostly because they encourage the good. You know, they're kicking off conversations. They're grabbing people's arms and pulling them into it and making things, f- making people feel welcome very, like, aggressively. Yeah, yeah.
0: Know? I saw actually an uh, app yeah. that does this. It's called Donut. Have you heard of that? Donut. It's it's for your slacks. Um, but it basically is like a, a bot for a water cooler channel. And and it, I saw, I heard about it from uh, Chris over at uh, Netlify and um, it, yeah, Bach. Chris Block was kind of singing praises, I guess, or just saying like, Hey, this is kind of useful, but it's sort of like, like it's a bot that's, you know, and it'll like set up sort of like little one-on-one groups or not like, or like small groups, like coffee dates or whatever sort of thing. So like just hang out and have coffee. Yeah. It'll kind of like have like this, you know, like a cool, like it, it's basically like a water cooler bot. So it, it basically peppers in topics or conversations like, Hey, anyone traveled anywhere cool or whatever, you know, and just let people share. And so, I don't know. I th- I just thought that was kind of cool. Like from a community aspect, like it, it kind of basically like hops in and, and sort of says like, Hey, anyone got any cool stories about this, you know, and, and lets people who share that maybe otherwise wouldn't or something like that. So
1: that's, Yeah. I like that because there's just quiet people that are only quiet because it's like part of their personality, but it doesn't mean they don't have anything to say. And just the slightest little nudge towards saying something can work. Yeah,
0: yeah It's, it's cool. And I don't know, virtual virtual communities and virtual offices, which now that's going to be normal.
1: <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, yeah. We had a sponsor like that the other day. Have you seen that? You know, it was the one with the, Uh, You're like little 8-bit people and you walk around and you can be in your own little office and then you don't bother. But if you feel like walking over to another area, then you're in like a chat room with them, essentially. And it just looks very
0: cool. That would be kind of weird and cool. I like it.
1: I like, I don't know. Let's experiment in this space. But there's probably like the perfect size for that. And it's, you know, like like I bet a 20-person team would like be great or up to 50 or something. But like not four and not a 1,000. Um, yeah. Also, like, you know, I used to say just, to, well, we should probably get to tech stuff eventually, but I used to love conferences that were super specific for tech, mm-hmm. right? Like I have this memory of going to a jQuery conference and having it just be this tremendous experience because that's the one thing everybody's talking about. Like, let's get into it. Let's And there was laptops out and weird pairings of people were looking at each other's laptops and looking at code. And there was this shared thing where it, whereas it's not like I don't like other style of conferences of course I do but they just didn't have that same vibe like if you saw somebody in the hallway you who knows If you have anything common tech wise, you're sure you could have a conversation because any people can talk to each other. But the chances are that you're working on the same like stack so closely and could easily just look at each other's laptop and get anything out of it is lower, right? And I think of that now with these little discords, you know, like I'm in like the 11D channel, I'm the asteroid. Or Astro channel and stuff. And that they're so focused on that. So if you're talking, it's about that. Yeah, that's cool. Like the that's topic cool. is the topic has been decided in, in a way. It is cool. And uh yeah, and I and I I think the benefit goes two ways. Like it's kind of good for the people because you like know where to ask and like it's the appropriate place to talk and y'all have something in common and all that. And then it's super good for the like the community itself, like the people behind. Astro or 11D or whatever, have this incredible feedback loop. You are not wondering what people are saying about your product. You're not wondering what trouble people are having. It's all there. And that is freaking vital for software products to have that feedback loop.
0: Integrated with your customer base, right? Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In a way that's like, what did we have before? Like, oh, no, send a survey. (laughs) monitor the tweets yeah, like,
0: we'll just copy and paste every tweet into this channel here so
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: no that's uh no it's it's cool i it's it's interesting and anything now can have a community attached to it you know a twitch channel a youtube channel uh, you know like it's kind of like the old like everything was a brand you know or everything's a brand now you know dave rupert llc is a brand um everything is a community now is sort of it feels like what it is, right. but I don't hate it. I, I kind of like it. Um, I, I,
1: you can get overdone too. I, and, and then, then, then there becomes a culture of like, which ones do you quit? You know, cause I was over slacked at one point, but now I'm just not anymore. I don't know. I just like hit a level of the right number. And I'm looking now, just numbers wise, like four or five Discords and three Slacks, and that's it. I mean, there's I I could be in about seventy, probably. Not to like show off. I I just mean that you know, you know, when you like log into Slack because you've been logged out for a while, it's like, do you want to rejoin these? And it's like some conference you went to four years ago. You're like, no, probably not that one. You know?
0: Yeah, there were. It's it's usually size related. It's like I don't want to join rejoin the big ones. You know? So. It's that's tough because for me, it's like when it's in Slack, because I have Slack and work so associated, it's very much like occupies my brain, I guess, in a different way, like or it has priority. It's like important stuff happens in in this one, in this app, in the in the little whatever Mm -hmm. uh, rainbow swastika. Important stuff happens there (laughs) and the but then fun stuff happens Oh, casual stuff happens over in Discord, sort of is how it sort of feels, but I don't know. That's
1: that's yeah. All this stuff is shaking out, and it feels feels okay. Yeah. yeah. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Netlify. High five, Netlify. Jamstack hostess with the mostess. You know you can. Serve all your all your like static as a base sites on Netlify, and has this amazing developer experience for doing that. But the word Jamstack really means doing more, you know, like that you have access to form processing and cloud functions and all kinds of fancy stuff that netlify can do in fact I was doing a screencast the other day with a dev evangelist from datastax which makes like a cloud function based Apache Cassandra which is like the very fancy database scalable system that you know every big 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 company with big data needs uses like Netflix, for example, right? So they have hosted Apache Cassandra that does fancy stuff like GraphQL and REST APIs and stuff that they help you with. It's a pretty cool product. But while we were doing it, we just used Netlify for everything because there was like a spiritual connection between them and Netlify, whereas like Netlify, you ship up the site, you'll never have to worry about scale. Like you have infinite scaling the second you ship a Netlify site because it's static files on a global CDN. The thing's just going to smoke. You just don't even need to worry about it. Your scaling concerns are over as far as serving those static files. And that this database structure had the same thing. Like it's designed to scale just forever. So you have data needs. You put the database here. You never need to worry about it again. There's some cool synchronicity, but there was more than that. It was kind of like, Using Netlify dev was really satisfying because then we could spin up the whole stack and build it locally, run the functions locally, commit our like secrets in our ENV file. You can just like sync them right up with the Netlify CLI thing. You can build locally and then deploy to Netlify with the prod flag, meaning it deploys super, super fast because you've already kind of like verified it's working locally. There was all kinds of trickery and it was just like Netlify just enables all this. It's just so good. In fact, we were working on the site through Gitpod, which meant like we spun up a VS Code instance in a browser tab and you know Netlify's repo is like you know you deploy from Netlify through the repo. So there was this like connection between the database and Netlify and the repo and it was all happening in the browser and then in the VS Code instance we even you even get a little terminal, so that's where we're using Netlify CLI stuff and Netlify dev. Ah, That was so cool. Anyway, Netlify rules. Check out everything they have to offer. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Chris F. writes in. This is more of a question for Dave, so I'll just read it for your pleasure. Can you give me any specifics on what made working on a Windows machine versus a Mac machine or Linux machine more complicated? I'm thinking of going full PC because I enjoy the hardware, the building, the customization, the, customization, the sheer power of PCs. But I uh, I just thought I'd ask if there's anything that stands out, you know? Like, I tried WSL in the past, and it wasn't that great, and, yeah, you know. Uh-
0: So the answer for me is puppeteer core. Uh,
1: Is it still that one thing thing?
0: And I think it gets fixed in windows 11 and WSL three, which is coming out, I guess in the fall or so.
1: Um, But wait, that wasn't a last domino or anything. It was just one giant domino.
0: (laughs) Yeah. From a technical perspective. Yeah. Uh, Like there was also like, as another issue where like the email client was just busted. Wouldn't check. Google accounts for two months, three months you, you write in, and all the windows help is so bogus. Like you go on to Microsoft forums and, you know, and and you're like, I have a problem. And they're like, did you try reformatting the hard drive? It's like, yeah, I did actually. And it didn't work. And now I'm just in a worse spot. I'm now I'm double mad. And so you know, the, the windows help is just basically bots. I mean, it's, that's what s- sucks about it. Like you're like, Hey, I'm having a problem. So you have to find some weird it neckbeard nerd that has some ancient knowledge that, that <laughs> can help mm. you out with your problem. But yeah, I, my, my problem was like my email client was broke and you know, I, knowing in Microsoft is like, Ooh, yeah, we really broke this. We're working on it, you know? And, and that felt bad. Cause I just was like, I, I needed to work, you know? And so, and I didn't know I was working <laughs> with a part of Microsoft at the time. I should say that, but like, I didn't know if it was cause I had like these active directory credentials and stuff on my computer. And if that was causing the problem, so oh, it, it's even
1: like, so you, you couldn't just say this is absolutely broken because it could just be broken for you. Cause
0: I have a weird config and I'm in some user group right. or something. I, I didn't really know. So it, it was just, that was how I was having some problems there. Um and yeah. So anyway, Puppeteer Core, that's why I don't use it. If it gets fixed, and the problem was Puppeteer likes to spawn up a browser and then like whatever, drive it, take a screenshot of it, whatever you're you're doing in Puppeteer, whatever yeah. you're scripting. Um WSL or Puppeteer Core can't find Chrome even though there's Chrome on windows or whatever, and there should be a way to bridge to use Chrome on windows. Like that should actually be fine. Cause of how Microsoft has integrated that. Uh, and I think it works in big puppeteer if you can specify your thing, but there's a, a bug or a config area in puppeteer core where it couldn't like go and do that bridge. It was looking for a Linux version when you couldn't get the Linux version. Yeah. I'll just say a lot. The, I think, um, new wsl3 is getting better support for windowed apps so you can just like run whatever chrome linux chrome and it'll just pop up and work so it's getting an x Mm. server i believe is what it's called so um so that's cool and i think it's going to work but but yeah i was just that was the one thing i would honestly switch i have a terrible time with my macintosh every morning I open it. I hit. I pop, tap, tap, tap on the spacebar to get the the screen to show up. It doesn't show up, Chris. So I have to open the laptop oh, clam, neat. do the login. You know, type in on the laptop on top of my keyboard. That sucks. And then I have to like, you know, hopefully it turns on. If it doesn't turn on, I can't just restart. I have to shut down the computer and then turn it back on. Oh and my then my the monitors decide they work, and then I can close the laptop, and then I can get in.
1: Yeah, I've heard closed laptops is just a perennial. I just... You just have you know, it open to the I don't the experience side. it because I just, I never close it because I, I, I am so nervous about that. And I maybe actually use the thing. open screen maybe anyway. That's the,
0: maybe that's my fault is I ha, I, I'm I i going too minimalist. So that might be my issue.
1: Well, if it's still, I mean, could you... The problem with leaving it open is you can't leave it open and say, please don't use this monitor. You know, if it's open, that's a, It's open. It's so, so
0: I... I yeah. I don't know. I could maybe get a Mac Mini, I guess, is is an option and, like, give this computer to my mm. wife. You know, maybe that's an option.
1: Um Yeah, or iMac it or Mac Pro it or I'm something. I've already got,
0: like, 20 monitors. I don't think I can, like, <laughs> go iMac but
1: That's yeah. the thing. I, I like the idea of the iMac, especially if they made a Pro one, I'd be into it. Um But I, I have the Big Daddy. Yeah. I have a... $4,999 monitor that I bought because I just was like a little fed up with the monitor scene. And while this is absolutely ridiculously extravagant, I thought, you know, this is all I do. This is a, yeah for, for the next know, 20 years. So I'm gonna
0: <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah.
1: And I mounted it on my desk. Dave, it's beautiful, it works, there's no problems. It's just been a perfect monitor, so I don't really regret it. But then I don't do the double and I'm not going to, sure as hell not going to spend $10,000. And I don't, I don't like the idea of like a weird one mounted next to it or whatever. But if I went iMac, maybe those could sit next to each other, but that's like almost too much screen yeah. space. They're both
0: huge. They're huge. Well, and, and then, you know, it, it's, I guess, trite, but I'm at my desk 90% of the time, hundred percent, 99% yeah. of the time, but about three days a year, I'm at a conference when conferences Yeah. Starts.
1: And that's going to change, yeah. you know. Maybe next year, you, yeah, that's my thing too. Exactly. I have this laptop because it... oh, this is ridiculous, but we're just going to do it, okay? Because now we're, we're deep, deep into we're it. Deep. I actually, have three now. I have an ancient old laptop. Mm-hmm that I keep in the booth. I'm on it right now talking to you on it. The beauty of this thing is I have it tr- tr- super streamlined, and it just never leaves the booth. So in order to record, which I do many times, because not only do I do this show, I do CodePen Radio, and then Tuesday afternoon I'll need a sponsor spot and got to do that, and you know, you know, all these little moments of recording. So there's a computer in here that never moves, that just is ready to do audio work, and I love it. Because I used to always be unplugging and plugging in and whatever. And then there's that monitor crap like you're describing. Oh, detect the monitor and all that. So then, But then I got a more modern laptop. A couple years newer. It's my dev machine. I do everything on it, right? I put it at my desk, what, (laughs) 18 months ago? And it's never moved. (laughs) I just don't even... I just leave it there. So it might as well be a desktop machine, which has got my brain thinking more desktop-y. But then I'm like, but... I need a laptop too and the main reason it hasn't moved is cuz when the M1s came out I got one right away cuz I was like these are these are cool and it's the future of our company because Whatever we like, eventually you have to buy people new laptops. And I like the speed, and my old laptop gets old, and eventually you won't be able to buy anything but an M1. And it's partially my responsibility to make sure our software runs on M1s, and whatever the list goes on. The thing's pretty sweet. I'm not as in love with it as the rest of the world. I think because I'm like, yeah, it's a computer, whatever. You know, like it doesn't feel that different to me. And it was a lot of work. This is all Alex got this all going. The M1s have trouble with lots of stuff in the early days. There's all kinds of software that didn't run. Here's a huge one that I can't believe, I don't hear this talked about as much, but like uh, SAS, like Node SAS, like the one a lot of people use, doesn't run. Like, that's in C, and C is a compiled language, and it doesn't have a version that compiles on M1. So, like, if that's part of your stack, that's just not happening. The thing is, it's not that big of a deal because Dart SAS is 100% compatible. You should be using Dart SAS anyway. It's just, like, not everybody can just, like, stop everything and make sure your entire development stack only ever uses Dart SAS, you know? Like, that's it's like work and it's tricky and nuanced and whatever. But anyway, we finally get all that going. Our dev environment works great on it now. So now I have this laptop. That, even when I didn't have the dev environment, that came home with me. That went on vacation with me, stuff, right? So I realize I do need the laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just running two dev environments isn't absolutely crazy for me, and so like it's I'm in the market like I could do the iMac thing. I don't want to do a mini because something about it just feels underpowered to me, even though they're probably not. But I just can't a mini. Ah, I can't. I need mega. Where's, Where's the Mac the mega? Mega. Me the
0: mega? Well, again, but, yeah,
1: you're, you're but the professional that, like
0: you're not. It's not. Anyway. Yeah, I I so uh, yeah. And for me, I work from home like. I don't know in a given week, there's maybe like a one, Hey one day where it's like, Hey, can you come in early and watch the kids while I go to the grocery store or whatever Because taking kids to the grocery store during a pandemic sucks, you know? So, (laughs) so you like, I, you know, occasionally I'll just have to like roll in with my laptop and finish up work or whatever. So that's, I don't know. That seems like a, I don't know. It seems like a must have some, unfortunately
1: I, I, but
0: anyway, so I guess back to.
1: <laughs> so when the new one drops, the 16-inch, you don't have an M1 do yet, have an M1, do you, right? Yeah, no.
0: I'm the pro. Oh, you one, do. And yeah, I think I'm still on Linux, or sorry, Intel node, like like I installed from Homebrew in Intel mode or whatever. Yeah. And so I think one of my like August projects, when this current project wraps up, is like just delete at my whole environment and start over on M1 node because I know it's faster, but I think like all the, bu- a lot of the bugs have maybe shaken out. So, um,
1: so we'll see. Yeah, it seems, it seems better. So we have the same machine, but I bought that almost kind of like knowing that this, this one in the booth is going to die. And yeah. anyway, anyway, this three laptop setup I have is so ridiculously extravagant, but I love it. So whatever, yeah. I'm sticking with it probably. Yeah. Uh, but I probably then will buy the 16-inch because that's the real pro beast. It'll probably be M2 or M1X or whatever it is. And now that we have all the problems solved, that's going to be my main dev machine almost for sure. Now I have four. One of them's got to go. Yeah. I don't well, know. And you know what? Are you going to do it? Do you think you'll do it? Get the 16-er?
0: I probably will just for more power or whatever longevity to yeah, Tim to a man or more power. But, um, I, I, but that's just, I don't know. That, that's a, but I, I may not, I mean, I'm, I'm, as I get older, I'm like less into the, like, gotta get the new, gotta get the new, but, um, yeah,
1: a little less satisfying over time, isn't it?
0: But I would, I would consider it. Um, I would think about it. The, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, back to this question, like I think windows is great. I mean, I think you can install all that stuff, pull down. I think he's saying he works in view and, and NPM and stuff like that. Yeah. Pull your projects down, run the tests. That would be what I'd say. If you can get through the tests, cause a lot of your tests might run puppeteer or something or Cypress or something like that. And that may have some of the same problems, but I think if your tests work, like you're, you're in good gold, you can go like, the problem I had, I was like, tests didn't work on a project I was trying to work on, and and it was frustrating. So, and and it was, I was at a in a season of frustration where a twelve hundred dollar get me out of jail card felt fine. So, so I, but I would, yeah. I, honestly, if if it was like you had to pick one, I would probably pick my PC. So,
1: yeah, I would go back to my PC cool. because. And if you and if Chris is saying, you know what? I like the Gmail web client. That's what I use every day for my life. So that will never be a problem. And I know what Puppeteer is, but I know that I will never care or ever use it for anything. You're saying like then Windows is going to be dreamy for Windows you. This is
0: a dream. It's really good. The new terminal is B.A. Man, it whips I term and Mac terminal yeah. like kicks their butt uh
1: do you use what do you use zsh is that you totally thing can that works
0: you can in? use zsh I, yeah. I think i i was just on regular ubuntu shell so like bash you know yeah vanilla but that's what's weird too is like you don't have homebrew and so that's like another issue with not issue quote unquote but like what do you have instead nothing nothing apt which comes in ubuntu so like you'd say apt install node or whatever. Uh, and there can be some quality issues there. Like you're, you're not actually getting node. You just got the node. Uh, (laughs) you just made your computers think it has node, but it didn't install node. So there's a few things like that, but like, um, but it's, it's cool. Like I, I actually prefer that to the Mac thing where you're like, okay, I have to use this third party brew thing and brew is, you know, the recipes get out of whack or whatever sometimes. And you know, I think I tried to update it the other day and just gave up because I just was like, well, it's taking too long. So I'm out of here. Um, so there's you know, anyway, it, it's great. I, I I wish I could be using it, is what I wanna say. So there's a lot I like about Windows and there's some there's great stuff about Mac, but man. Every morning I start at my computer and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I just want to throw it out the window.
1: I wish you could solve that one thing. Cause it seems like such a kind of trivial thing that like is specific to you. That doesn't seem like it has to be that way. That sucks. It's
0: weird. I mean, I plug into a Thunderbolt here. I'll give the setup. So some internet wizards can figure it out. I plug my computer into a $300 Thun- Elgato Thunderbolt three pro Dock. That has USB C out to the monitor. Okay,
1: USB C. Yes, I I
0: plugged it into the little thing that has a picture of a monitor going out to the monitor.
1: So that's Thunderbolt three as well, probably.
0: So that's like going up to the display. The display sometimes it recognizes it. I think it recognizes it plugged in, but it never mounts up the display. So that's the issue there. And then there's like another whole other system where i usb out of the monitor and i use a, this little adapter to get display link which is how you get two displays going on the m1 and i display link over HDMI to the second monitor
1: so okay that part doesn't seem busted it, what seems us is the is the keyboard right have you tried maybe the keyboard goes right to the computer rather than to the hub Ooh, maybe
0: I, I could maybe do that but but the what's i plug in the keyboard or plug in the Mac to the dock, right? Using the, yeah. the USB cable that has a lightning bolt on it is the correct one.
1: <laughs> does it have a lightning bolt and, and a, and number, a number three? three. Cause and I have number
0: three and it does have
1: a number three. And, a a number three? Okay. and then
0: my, and my keyboard will light up and it says, Oh, okay. We got a buddy. So it, it lights up. Yeah. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. Every morning, Chris, I wake up.
1: But if you hit the if you the perfect scenario is you hit the keyboard and all the monitors turn on and it's ready yeah, to go. Yeah, and my watch logs me in because that especially because those M ones are supposed to turn on just insta fast. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: But instead, I have to reboot the whole computer, hard reboot. So
1: yeah, that I know sucks. Mac sucks. Is it the fricking dock? Uh, i tell me the chris dock. you should get because the
0: cal- a three hundred dollar doc you would think that would be three hundred dollars worth of good
1: yeah and elgato is good stuff re- usually it's, it's the CalDigit digit is the, the is the primary doc digits yeah. the
0: one but like okay like what if i spent five hundred dollars on that's the, a three hundred dollar yeah, mistake if i spent yeah. five hundred dollars on the CalDigit. digit yeah shame on me for buying the wrong three hundred dollar product to connect my computer to a like monitor okay but like
1: yeah like
0: that's that's mac for you so you did it wrong sorry it doesn't work but okay let's say i fix that if i fix that what and this isn't the only doc i bought i bought like three or four other docs trying them out so like <laughs> oh, i've no. tried everything but the cal digit and you can't buy the cal digits it's sold out to like 2090 so like
1: oh no is it really oh that sucks
0: so uh, maybe I'll get the big old honker Cal Digit and solve my problem, but I don't think it'll solve the problem. I don't, I don't think it even. I
1: don't. think... I have a feeling that it won't yeah. either, because this Elgato Dock is pretty sweet too. I bought I bought the um, the MX thing. M okay. The the new one that oh, where you yeah. plug the XLR mics into it, which I is I absolutely don't need, but I thought then I could go back to my SM7B. Sure. At the desk, because, you know, not that I couldn't before. I'm just like, I like the simplicity of it. The device is so slick. You just plug the mic thing into the back, the USB-C over to the computer, and that's it. There's, there's one, there's two cables to the whole thing and allows you to use your best mic. And then you also get to use the Elgato software, which is pretty slick, right? right? But on my, my old setup, I had to use some very like universal audio software that was like way fancier than, I had to run like three apps at once to get it to really connect and work right and stuff. So then I was like, screw all this is as deep as I am financially to this setup. It wasn't working that well. And, uh, It's just a lot of crap on my desk, and it's just not that simple feeling. So I I bombed it all to go the other way because Shure makes the Shure 7B or whatever, some kind of, I forget what it is, but it's just USB only. Like you rock with the road, right? Just it's USB USB into the computer. Nothing, then you don't think about crap. I think it sounds awesome. I think it's a great little product, but I just, it was so inexpensive that I have my doubts that it's the same, quite the same quality as the Shure SM7B that I already have. So I was kind of like, maybe I'll do a side-by-side test just because this is a hobby, you know, I enjoy it, that it's similar in simplicity, but allows me to use any... XLR mic okay. which is appealing to me and I like it so so far so good yeah. you know and I bought a little street I bought a little stream deck too because I was already buying yeah, yeah, crap yeah. from Elgato in the
0: Elgato, Elgato cart you might as well just load up I got like
1: yeah I mean I got the arm I got the freaking thing that shines light in your face it's like you might as well just have the whole... I, I bought
0: I bought a the Elgato arm for my web my Sony cam right and
1: it didn't arrive it yet. Did, did it, it? it? Mine's way. Oh, mine, you lucky I snuck bastard! In a
0: like mid cycle or whatever, uh, and I bought two because I just was like they are sold out, and and I bought the second one purely for you know when you like stand over like a desk and take a photo of like whatever a piece of paper or something, and then but your mm-hmm. like shadow is in it, you know. <laughs> I I bought it one hundred percent to avoid my shadow being in a photo. I mean it'll it'll still like have their shadow but i just was like i i don't want i don't want to like do the like stand over something to take a photo so i'm gonna i'm gonna like set up a you're gonna mount your camera to yeah it has arm? like a phone camera like a phone rig you know or i could do the camera mount but like
1: it's just like this is blowing my mind so it's just Seriously? purely for
0: 100 percent for taking photos of crap like physical objects because i do that from time to time and i hate seeing yeah. a shadow in the photo so Anyway,
1: oh my god, I love it. That's the best reason ever. I haven't got the green screen, oh, and which I hardly big, ever big, use, big, but big, I love yeah. it. And yeah, I got it all. I do, the Stream Deck, though, I thought I could make use of. I was like, there's got to be some, because cool, it's just fun. All, all it is is a freaking keyboard with programmable buttons on it. That's all it is. You can And they, they have little digital displays, so you can tell, and you can program and do anything you want when you press one of those buttons. I'm like, and I bought the littlest one. So I got six buttons on it, and I put, I got one button on there, which just opens a web browser, goes to csstricks.com, which is, of course, absolutely useless, because you can no, do that with no, your fingers. You got to do it
0: with the device. That's... <laughs>
1: But what else? Like I, 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 and then I struck out immediately because there was some ones that was like change the brightness, but it doesn't really work. And and I, I immediately like, why did I buy this? Like I am not the audience for this. I have no, I have no other ideas for the other five buttons, and even the one button I have is useless. I would immediately do uh,
0: scenes in OBS, or like, or or you could hook it up to your your stream yard or whatever. So you're like, let's do, let's do present the guys thing or or present the screen or do the we're both talking scene or, or whatever. Like you have certain scenes that you hotkey to like, I, that would be one thing I'd do. Um, a, a hang up button like for Slack or oh, hang up button for, for Slack, Slack or like for zoom or whatever, like, zoom, just like, a yeah. boop, like I'm out. Um, Ooh, I think that's like, that's a, juicy. I think that's a must have. Uh, I think, um, I don't even know what else. Uh, now I'm out of ideas, but
1: still, if you use OBS, that's like the main integration. It's got a million things for it. Yeah. OBS.
0: Cause I, even like, like, uh, like automating the like go live, just like, all right, now run my whatever intro pump up hype scene and then tweet about it, you know, like, like do the start broadcast routine, you know, like, like wouldn't that be cool to automate, you know, like cause. How many times mm-hmm. are like have you started a thing and you're like oh wait I forgot to tweet about it or whatever you know like now we're actually going yeah on, so okay
1: the yeah. Twitter integration was scary to me was the the default button is uh it's like does the tweet it doesn't like bring up a thing in which for you to tweet okay, it, it's like, like API integrated you press the button and it's it freaking out. tweets it's out. yeah. Yeah, I'm like, no, that's not no, good. No. Anyway, I just got it, so I'm being negative, yeah, Nelly. But don't listen like to me. I'm sure I'll find proof.
0: You know, which is maybe what you yeah. want in life. But <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah, certainly. Nice job,
0: honey. Now we're both on the internet live, and thousands of people are watching. So good job.
1: <laughs> it does a good job in making my desk look even nerdier, which was the that's goal. The,
0: always the goal. <laughs>
1: This episode of Shop Talk Show was brought to you in part by Elastic. Elastic enables the world's leading organizations to put their data to work using the power of search. Whether it's connecting people and teams with content that matters, keeping applications and infrastructure online, or protecting entire digital ecosystems, Elastic's search platform is able to surface relevant results with speed and at scale. Learn how you can get started with Elastic's search platform for free by going to, get this, elastic.co slash shop talk. Sam Bigelow writes in, I've heard you talk about building a site in raw HTML, CSS, and JavaScript without any build step. This confuses me. Are people writing pure HTML with no templating language at all? I get how you could drop a CSS preprocessor build tools or JavaScript build tools or preprocessors quickly, but HTML with no templating seems so repetitive and you can't have any dynamic data, right? Like, what's up with that? Like... Um, do you feel, you're feeling Sam here? Like, can you, I always thought that even when CSS preprocessors were coming out and they seemed newfangled, I'm like, they're not that newfangled. We've had HTML preprocessors forever because that's like the top language that needs something. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I am of the, I've totally written <laughs> raw HTML and stuff like that. I mean, like with no build process, I think, uh, I wrote an app called prompts. It's like a little drawing app or whatever. I think I did that entirely with, when a single HTML file and a single JavaScript file. Um, So you can totally do it, I guess. But um, now I have a build process just because I'm using more NPM crap and stuff like that. But uh, you can do that. Yeah, I I mean.
1: Well, let's talk about it then. Isn't the thing thing that you'll miss the most is the includes, right? So if this is truly, truly a multi-page site, and you have to copy and paste the navigation on multiple pages, immediately that's, like, red alarms in my... And maybe I could get over it, because there's such a thing as find and replace in project, and it's not totally crazy to assume that that's a thing. But still, like, no. Like, something about that immediately... If I have a two-page site, and it needs nav on both pages, I'm finding a way to to use includes.
0: Yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, I think it's, like, you're going to... this is how we used to do it back in the day. We'd write like raw HTML, but then you very quickly realize like, okay, if I'm doing a blog and I'm going to show four posts, I don't want to have to manually type out the four posts. I want to just write one block that shows a post and then I'll go fetch that data from a database. Like, like that's how we got to databases and templating and stuff like that. And so then you'd reach for something like, Back in the day, PHP, but now you have a bunch of different options that you can use. Um, so,
1: Eleven D emerging as the like kind of the the premier tool, I think, because it's just it can be so light. It can just be like, I just need some HTML help. I mean, that's a way to think about Eleven D. Period. Is just like, I just need a little HTML help. And then it turns out that the tool is actually pretty powerful and you can ask a lot of it if you need to, but if all you needed to do is a couple includes, boom, you got it, you know, and then you have templating and collections and all this other stuff at your fingertips, but it doesn't matter. It's not like the tool is too heavy. It's not like there's too much crap in 11D. In my opinion, there's almost too little. Like the fact that it doesn't help you with any kind of styling or something makes it like limited in utility. For me, and I'm not the perfect audience anyway, so who cares? But I just, like, find myself wishing that there was more, like, blessed solutions for Asset styling and JavaScript stuff. and yeah. stuff.
0: That's my number one request um, for 110 But, I mean, I think that's just it. Like, our portfolio for Paravel, you know, 12 client sites or something, you know, five different pages or whatever. Like, that's all we need, right? Like, that's it. Right. Like, If there's, you know, I don't need to invent some CMS. We had it on CMS for a long time. It was a pain in the ass because you'd have to like, oh man, we want to change a thing. Let me go start a whole environment. You know, like I couldn't just operate on code. I had to like spin up a PHP and then check the database and operate on WordPress. And then I could then, uh, then edit the template, you know? And so it just got like overcomplicated for such a simple site. So eleventy ends up being more the right tool for the right job you know if we had yeah. like a sweeping change that we had to roll out it would be maybe kind of rough but but less rough than you know doing editing a whole wordpress you know system or, or craft or whatever we'd be on so you know i think when people talk about raw html uh they're they're maybe not factoring in the templating you know, I think maybe templating goes into raw HTML. Um, you
1: know, Tell me, let's talk about this. This is what I want to talk about is that it doesn't seem to be like what's the best thing out there for true HTML templating. Let's not talk about web components because that's a it's thing. VVH's but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that maybe it's view, but because v... then then you get import like what I'm talking about basically is like component usage. In JavaScript frameworks, like Vue, but also like JSX and anything else you can think of where you create a component and the component has props, you know, it has attributes that come in and then you use them throughout the template. This is not like a PHP include. PHP includes like, just go get this file and plop it in, which has no... There's no great way in PHP to say yes but also send along these local variables. Like you could do that in ERB, you remember you just send in locals mm-hmm. and then you can use mm-hmm. them. That's closer to what we want, but you know, ERB just is old and people don't like it for whatever reason and it's ruby based and all that, right? So, what's not ruby based, not web components, not view, cuz views just implies some javascript that then has to run on the client. I'm talking about that's pre-processable. That it fits this bill. And is it like, I, I guess I think of Nunjux kind of with its macro syntax. But I think like there's a room for a big good player here. That's like, this is the HTML thing. That's four components. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, uh, petite views up there for me. Um, just because it, it has components. It has for loops. It has if statements like all built in. Just a little bit of interactivity, yeah. and you're off to the races.
1: But it has to run on the client. Yeah, it? that it has be to run on the client. Um,
0: now, I mean, maybe in the future you could change it. So,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, doesn't this seem like that? You know, Ben Holmes is in our Discord. And he's got this slinkity project. I just linked it up the other day. I don't think it's like super duper duper fully baked yet. But the idea is like it brings JavaScript templating to 11D, meaning no JavaScript output, meaning use these languages and produce HTML output, which means probably, I mean, Vue will work. Yeah, I mean, so there was a
0: specification proposed by Apple, of all people, (laughs) for uh, template instantiation for web components. So... Uh, people have considered this and and maybe it's a possibility, but I I don't know what the status is, you know, like, like, uh, I mean, how cool would it be just to have for loops or if statements, or even just the way the native way to program that, like, like to create directives or whatever, like whatever you want to do. So, um, It would just be nice to have that, but hopefully...
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to loop over a set of data in in their blog posts. So they have titles and descriptions and authors and avatars. And I want to do it in HTML. Yeah. You know? And I just don't because JavaScript components are so good. They're just so winning this battle. Where You just send in them as data to the component and it digests them and outputs the stuff and it works freaking great. I feel like there needs to be a winner in the HTML templating market and Yeah.
0: Yeah, but you know, pre-processing JavaScript stuff too is is not ideal. So, it would be great if it was in HTML.
1: So, um sure, like if this if if native HTML handled this, what? Yeah, that would be amazing. It would be cool, but you know, one day,
0: I don't know, when I'm, when I'm retiring, they'll say, "Dave, mm-hmm. HTML imports." Are real. And I'll yeah. Be like, My work here is done, oh. and I'll just fade, fade out of existence. My Twitter account will auto close, and it'll be just friggin' brilliant. So I, was, I
1: right. was right.
0: Yeah. I swear, not a day goes by. It's, it's every day goes by. I'm like, yep. That HTML imports does exactly what you're talking about. Single file components. Oh, yep. HTML imports did that. We did it. We had it. We had it. We just gave up. We just gave up Firefox. So
1: I'm not bitter. So Yeah, I see. Uh, <laughs> let's do this last one. I think you'll enjoy it. Tyler Dupre. Tyler Dupre asks about, this is about images, mm-hmm. right? So get your my HTML, yeah, CSS, yeah. images. Yeah. Um, Th- they're Let's say they're random, right? They could be wide. They could be tall. They could be square. They're anything, mm-hmm. right? So he sets max width to 100% height auto. Classic, right? How long have we been doing that for our whole lives? Cool life. Uh, that means you throw it in a container. It will never break the container. And if the container gets smaller, it'll come with it. It'll maintain its aspect ratio. This is an expectation these days, an essential ingredient of responsive design. Uh, this has changed somewhat recently. Remember mm-hmm. that with the you got to put height and width attributes on it so it maintains space, doesn't cause reflow. Anyway, it's very still a very happy thing to do. So he says horizontal images look great. I assume he means landscape style, you know, wider than it is tall. But then, my client uploaded a vertical image. I'm assuming he means portrait, you know, and it was way too tall. If I could tell my client not to do that, you know, fine. But is there another way? If I set a max height as well. As max width, I risk skewing the image, don't I? I can't set max height 100% anyway because the container doesn't have a fixed height. So is there a reliable way to accommodate horizontal and vertical images? I'd prefer a CSS-only solution if possible.
0: No. There's,
1: I I don't Do you have it? You have it. Well, kind of. I mean, isn't that what, what is it called? Fit something? Fit content? Fit?
0: Oh, object Object fit. fit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Object fit contain. Yeah. But then you you have to draw a box, right? Like you have to, an element that's a square. And CSS aspect ratio is actually going to super help us out. It's going to be really awesome when it drops here in Safari this summer. Um, But you draw a box and then you say anything in here or contain the images in here to this height and width. Um, So I kind of actually had to do that on a project recently because it was just weird. Um, Had like these weird shaped images and stuff like that. So, you know, it was like
1: the
0: the client's content was book covers and videos. And guess what? Those are opposite aspect ratios. (laughs) So you, so all their content was either in a video 16 by nine or a book, which was like, uh, what is that? Like two by three or something or three by five. So it was, yeah. So it was just like difficult enough. I was just like, oh man, I think I'm like, I think I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it was difficult, but I, I got it. So you can do that. So, yeah, you just have to draw the box they're going in and then do stuff. If you're doing stuff behind the images or around or borders or whatever, now it gets a little bit more tricky and you're in, you're in some...
1: I'd say let it, it sounds like you don't care if they're a little bit different from each other height-wise, yeah. right? So I'd say just set the maximum height. Like, don't use 100%. Just say max height 500 pixels or something. Like, mm-hmm. something reasonable that's not crazy. Then you have your choice between object fit contain... Which is data, no data loss. It will fit in there and it will not skew it. Yeah, It won't skew it. It'll just place it in there, which is weird to think. Like that's just, it's a little mind bending to know that there's a wider box that the actual IMG element is occupying, but the image is painted in a smaller portion of that. Meaning straight up like transparent sides to it. In the case of a portrait image, like you could even set a background on the IMG and it'll show right through on those unused sides or you have the option of cover, which has data loss, right? It will still occupy that that whole space, but it'll chop off in the case of a portrait image it will chop off the top and the bottom. Uh, kind of equally, I think, and I I think you do have control over where if you want it to chop only from the bottom or whatever. I think you do. I can't remember, but still, you have two choices there. Like, do you want it to fill the space or do you want it to have no data loss? You have you have some options there. I think that's going to work great for you, Tyler. I think that's the the answer. But yeah,
0: no, I think that will um, mostly work. Yeah, I would. Does object fit? Does it have like a anchor? Like a
1: That's what I was just saying. I think it does. Let's find out quick. Fit origin. It doesn't look like it's part of object fit itself. Oh, oh, object Object position. position. That's the one.
0: Okay. So you can be like top center or like, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So if you knew that the top center of your images is very important, you'd say object position top center. That way it'll chop off from the bottom, not the top. That's pretty important here. I think for like a picture of some flowers or whatever, that's fine. Just chop it off wherever. Be
0: killer here is if somebody like you have your object fit right And your your square yeah. that you're sizing the image in, and then you have JavaScript run through and do that thing where it finds the most important thing on the page. You know,
1: yeah. Oh, it's I've seen racist, this.
0: Yeah, but whatever. Um, like it goes through and finds out what's the most important thing on the page. Uh. And then it sets object position and some parameters, and then uh, like uh, and then it flips from like contain to cover or something like that. So wouldn't be
1: cool. I've seen it. I've seen even steps beyond this. For example, let's say you know where the center is and you know the size of the final box. Then for something like ImageX or Cloudinary, you can alter alter the the URL such that it returns the image from the server at the exact size it needs that way you're not sending data across the pipe that is all just going to get cut off anyway you know what i mean so you're like you 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 center it you find the perfect place to crop the image and then you crop it at the url level So it's the most efficient possible way to see it. Even beyond this, I've seen, have you seen that seam carving idea where it's like, I need to serve a smaller version of this image and it's hot air balloons on a blue sky. I know that I can like actually kind of carve out little vertical ish lines from in between the hot air balloons, maintain the spirit of the image, but you know, compress the the size of it. Like can, I
0: think there's JavaScript solutions, right? But could, could it be in Wasm and go really, really fast, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be so cool. I mean, the seam carving thing to me is a little, like, like dangerous-ish because you're, like, manipulating. It's not just a crop at that point. It's, like, making a new image with AI, you get know? Weird. If let's that thing weird. got mad at you. Let's get weird. Let's get <laughs> Sure, I just, you know, I saw that Anthony Bourdain movie and there's like one line where they synthesize his voice reading an email, which obviously they don't have audio of him reading an email because it's an email. He didn't read it. Yeah. And anyway, they didn't really disclose it properly all the way. And there's all kinds of outlash. It's to me, it feels similar to that. Like, I didn't take this photo. Yeah. yeah. Says the photographer, you know. Well, and I think there
0: was, uh, you know, people photoshopped old Princess Leia into uh, one of the Star Wars and you know, there's a lot of like. I don't think that's okay. You know, like you're using Carrie Fisher's, whatever.
1: I appreciate going full weird, though. You know, like there's there's right and wrong times for this yeah.
0: stuff. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I think there's like like Tyler saying it wouldn't work in my situation where like half of them are videos and half of them are books. You know, like that wouldn't work in my situation. But like, yeah, if you're if you just have like whatever portrait photography from your phone maybe it does work maybe you could get them all crunched down to a square maybe they all work so let's wrap it up this was a good episode thanks uh, everyone for writing in uh we appreciate that and um be sure to star heart favorite up uh this episode in your podcatcher choice. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop talk Show for tens of tweets a month and head over to the Discord. Join it. Come on. It's patreon.com slash shop talk show. Limited limited quantities available apparently. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you got anything uh-huh. else you'd
1: like to say? Oh shoptalkshow.com.